My first car was a blue Volkswagen Bug, stick shift. I loved it. Now, most cars that those days were stick shift. And uh, the normal for me was like every couple of months, I would have to get some friends of mine to push it from behind. And then I would put it in first gear and then pop the clutch in order to start it. That became kind of a norm. Yeah, there's something wrong with the battery. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't that unusual. But that was my normal. What's your normal? You know, sometimes we get used to things that we shouldn't get used to. Maybe you've got a door that sticks. You know, you've you got to lift it up in order to push it in and fully lock it. Maybe it has something to do with your joints. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's your normal, you know, being able to get out of a chair in a certain way. And sometimes when there's a crisis, usually you hear someone say something like this, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. You know, in these days, I'm hearing that a lot. And I want to challenge you this morning to consider that maybe getting back to normal is not quite what you want. Maybe you need a new normal. From the Word of God, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear God's Word this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is God's Word. Let us pray. God, bless us now through this, Your Word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to receive it and believe it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. A new normal. A new normal where your faith is formed. That's where we're going. Difficulty and the testing that you heard just a minute ago in the Scriptures, difficulty has the ability to form us in faith. This morning I want to look at how faith can get elevated as it's formed. Elevated over fillers, elevated over flight, elevated over fear. That's where we're going. Fillers, flight, and fear. Those are things that compete with faith. 
This morning, let's look at how difficulty can be elevated over those three. Let's go. First, faith can be elevated through difficulty if you let it. If you let it, difficulties can elevate your faith over fillers. Now, what do I mean by fillers? Fillers is like gaps when you don't know something. We don't like gaps. We try to fill in the gaps. So fillers are those things that, that go after the gaps and, and, and try to explain something. We become great explainers when we don't know. You know so for example, um, maybe somebody leaves town and someone says, hey, someone left town and you knew something about them and you, you start filling in the gap. Or maybe somebody called you out of the blue and you think, why did she call me? Hmm, I wonder if she wants something. You know, and, and, and sometimes what's in us, not necessarily what's out there or what, what's real, Sometimes what's in us fills in the gaps. You know, Job had some fillers in his life. Job from the Old Testament, that tragic figure. Job, tragic but faithful. Had some people around him who were always trying to explain what was going on when things were going wrong, when he was facing difficulty. He had those three classic friends, uh, in air quotes, they were fillers. They were always coming in and saying, well, this must be happening, or there must be some reason, or you must have done something wrong. People are always trying to explain what's going on in the moment, rather than just see, being present in the moment, rather than just sitting with the moment. We don't like gaps. We fill in the gaps. This verse 6 and 7 of the scripture I just read says this, You've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested by fire. What he's saying is he's illustrating what he means. The reason our faith is tested sometimes is to show, show you to you. Show you your faith. And to show you in the testing of your faith where there are weak spots, what needs to, to grow. He's using this illustration of gold. You, you've probably heard this before, a silversmith. How do you know when, when sil silver has been refined enough, when the dross, as they say, the dross has been burned away? And the silversmith says, you know, when I can see my image in it. Now, that's you and your faith. God is, is using your life to perfect your faith. A lot of times we, we, we think that, that it's faith to perfect our life, right? The, the health and wealth gospel sort of, seeps in like faith is somehow supposed to be this little helper that 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 perfects your life on the contrary often God is using your life to perfect your faith it's your faith that is doing something in you that you can't see faith is the assurance of things hoped for the confidence of things to come and and when our confidence is in Christ then and his character is formed in us. Do you see? The formation of your character, of your life, of your, it comes through your faith. And so that's what's, that's what's happening here. And that's, that's the opportunity here. But we don't like gaps. And so we try to fill them in. Here's an example of how we try to fill them in for each other. Uh, apart from Job's uh, comforters. Uh, sometimes we, we do try to comfort one another when something is going wrong, when there's a difficulty. We'll say something like this. And, and these are the two words that you need to watch out for when you're trying to comfort somebody. They come to you and they tell you the problem and you'll say, at least, 
And then you just fill that in and you try to tell them, oh, look at the bright side. It's so hard to sit people in their sit with people in their difficulty, isn't it? I mean, just to be present with them. And isn't that often what God is asking us to do in difficulty is just let him sit with us. I mean, just let him directly minister to us, to be present with us. And so often we want to fill it in. We want an explanation. Now, here's a, a story that illustrates, I think, this point of how difficult it is and yet how important it is just to, to sit with the moment, to, to deal with the difficulty and not try to explain it away, make excuses for the universe. And here's the story it's a, of a man who had a son who, um, and, a, and a, a horse. And the man and the son and, and the horse were out in the pasture one day and the horse ran off. Some of his neighbors found out about it and they said, oh, that's too bad. What a curse. And he said, well, how do you know it's not a blessing? About a week later, the horse came back and another horse, a mare, was following him. A wild horse. And the neighbors found out about it and they said, oh, what a blessing. And he said, well, how do you know it's not a curse? The son was trying to break this horse and... Um, and was, was riding it and was thrown from the horse and he broke his hip. Neighbors found out about it and they said, oh, what a, what a curse. And he said, well, how do you know it's not a blessing? The country where they were went to war. All of the, the men from that town were enlisted, were drafted, and they all were put into the same battalion. Most of that battalion was killed, except for his son, who was not there because of his broken hip. See, I, I think we rush in and we, we're, we're quick to say, what's a blessing, what's a curse, what's God doing, what's happening here? Um, we, we, we borrow sometimes trouble for ourselves by becoming fillers. We don't like the gaps. We don't always receive difficulty in the way that it's intended to build our faith, we often try to say, hey, there's something wrong. We, need to, we, need to, we, we expect faith to build our life. And so take care now that, that you not miss the opportunity in filling in the gaps for your faith to be elevated over filling, for your faith to be formed more in times of difficulty. Second, faith can be Elevated, it needs to be elevated over flight. And what I mean by flight is escaping the moment. Not, not just filling in the moment or explaining it away, but, but actually escaping it, turning away from it, um, trying, to, trying to figure out what's next rather than what's now. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in the scriptures here, it, it talks about, in verse 5, it talks about uh, the fullness of time. It uses a word for time. There are two different words for time in, in Greek. One is uh, kairos and the other is chronos. And kairos is the opportune time. And chronos is, is um, chronological time. You can hear the word in the word, chronological. What, what this stands for is what's now versus what's next. Kairos is what's, what's going on now, what's opportune, what's, what's happening now. Chronos is about what's next. 
And what I'm saying then about flight is, is that so often we're just, we rush to what's next. We want to know what's next. We want to figure out what's next rather than just simply being present and receiving from God what is now. What's now? What's going on now? What's he doing now? And not borrowing from what's next. I'm hearing this a lot. And, and, and there's, um, there's a word for this. It's called eschatology. It's the, eschatology is just the study of last things or last times. And in a pandemic or in uh, a crisis or when things seem to be happening all at once, a lot of times people rush in. They rush in with explanations about what's next. And, and sometimes these explanations sound very spiritual, <laughs> very spiritual, and they're not necessarily so. They're not necessarily based on Scripture. They take Scripture and stretch it. What it comes down to is flight is often speculation about what's next. And because I feel good about it or because I had a... You know, I had Taco Bell yesterday and it kept me up last night and I felt like a, sort of a, a heart rush about the thing. And I, I, I've decided for myself that this is something, a message from, from God. Uh, I'm very careful about that. It needs to be very clearly lodged in Scripture, very clearly based on Scripture. And the whole counsel of God, not some cherry-picked Scripture that you found and said, oh, well, I think this uh, has something to do with what's going on right now uh, and, and explaining what's now by what you think is what's next. I think it's, it's a little distressing to me, thinking back to Job, um, how when, when things turn difficult for us, suddenly the world is ending. I mean, before the pandemic, what about our concern for the tens of thousands of people, of children in particular, who died just of hunger a day. Uh, what about the 50,000 people that are killed by car wrecks every year and half of those because of drunk driving? You know, there's always a crisis going on somewhere. And, and so often when it begins to affect us, you know, the, back to Job, uh, the, you know, the scriptures talk about how the evil one inflicted, Job finally inflicted, uh, soars on Job. You know, his ultimate thing was to attack the actual person of Job. Things were going on around him, and that was supposed to bring him down, right? And then ultimately, he attacks the man himself, right? And now, if nothing else works, well, let's get to him. You know, this pandemic is getting to, to us, and we feel anxious, and we feel uh, concerned. And now, suddenly, the world's ending. Um, I think we need to reflect really seriously on on ourselves and how um, perhaps we need to be drawn in more to a broken and hurting world that was already broken and hurting before the pandemic and will be broken and hurting after the pandemic. We, we feel it more and now suddenly we're all in a rush to explain it by what's next, rather than receiving from God what's now. You know, suffering in, in this letter of Peter, the theme is how difficulty builds your faith. And in this word, kairos, there's an invitation 
to recognize that, that your faith is secured. And so how, how is that inheritance going to influence your confidence now in a broken and hurting world? How is it that, that you need to be buoyed in faith so that once we're through this season of life, you can build other people up? You know, I think there's one thing that we really need to know about the end times. And that is uh, what Paul says to the Thessalonian church, 1 Thessalonians. He says, it will come like a thief in the night. Okay? So if you're speculating about what's going on or what's next, then you might ask yourself, thief in the night. What message am I supposed to be getting about the end times coming like a thief in the night? Let's stop speculating about what's next and let's be a little bit more in what's now. I, I think of uh, w- w- the great illustration for me about being in the now, being in the moment and letting faith sort of be, be built and formed more in the moment, what's going on in the difficulty of the moment, is a, an old movie called The Dead Poets Society. When Robin Williams plays a teacher and he's trying to help these students who are just under the gun and... and uh, it, I think it, it's sort of modeled after St. Andrews um, or Exeter, one of those elite northeastern schools with a lot of pressure on these boys to perform. And he's, he's kind of trying to help them uh, say, don't miss your life. Don't waste the time. Don't miss your life in the midst of your um, achievements and your goals and your drivenness. And he takes them to this old case and th- this this glass case of, classes, uh, days gone by, of um, vintage um, groups, group pictures of, of, uh, of boys that have previously attended that school. And he stands behind them in kind of a creepy way at first. He says, carpe, carpe diem. He's whispering to them. And they're kind of going, what is he doing? You know, what is he breathing down our necks? And then you realize he's saying something in Latin. He's saying, carpe diem. He's saying, seize the day, boys. Seize the day. Now, the, the problem, of course, with this is this is existentialism. It's, he's, he's trying to get them to live for the moment. But the scriptures here, in, in the fullness of time, in opportune time, kairos time, is saying something similar, but not quite. He's saying, Live not for the moment, but live in the moment. Be present in the moment. What's going on in the moment of difficulty? Don't just simply try to escape the moment by explaining it by what you think is next. Be in the now. And finally this, I think, I think difficulty, if we let it, can elevate faith over fear. Now, I'm hearing a lot about fear. People feel afraid. I'm not talking about the fear that you're, you're feeling right now or anxiety over the circumstances right now. I'm saying that, that, that the anxiety over, uh, over the current circumstances can help you reflect on the fears of your old normal. And what are, that? What are those fears? I think the greatest fear that people have in the old normal in the pursuit of many, more, and much is the fear of missing out. That's the old normal. We're afraid of missing out. And so we accumulate and we pursue and we get into this frothy frenzy of, 
of many, much, and more. That's the old normal. Now, maybe this time needs to elevate your faith, inform your faith around something other than the fear of missing out. Maybe your life needs to be formed by faith over the fear of many, much, and more, missing out on many, much, and more. Where do we see this in the text? Well, verse 6 says this, If necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. If necessary? What's he saying? (laughs) He's saying that sometimes it's necessary for you to be pruned. Sometimes it's necessary for me to to be disciplined, to be uh, in the gymnasium of faith, if you will. John Newton, the great um, hymn writer, you know, most famous hymn, Amazing Grace, he said this, everything is needful that he sends. Nothing is needful that he doesn't send. Think about that for a minute. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing is needful that he doesn't send. When you say, Tim, are you saying he sent this? Are you telling me that God is in charge of of something that's hurting people and making people sick and making them feel, feel afraid? I'm not saying that. I'm saying what's going on right now in the middle of all this. How does God use uh, the turns of events in a hurting and broken world to form you? Do you believe that he's always at work in all things? Do you believe that it's possible for a God who redeemed the world on the cross that we celebrated last week? Do you believe that he can form you, that he can elevate your faith by using the fears that are present to get you to reflect on the fears of missing out of your old normal, to get you to, to be formed in faith such that you have a new normal, a better normal. Tolkien, uh, who um, you know, wrote Lord of the Rings and became popularized by the recent movies and The Hobbit, uh, he, he dealt with uh, this question of God's, um, God's testing us, testing our faith. Uh, there was a, a letter that was sent to him accusing him of making light of death, which really is laughable if you know Tolkien's uh, history. This is a man who lost both of his parents uh, he remembers it, but he was quite young. This is a man who was formed in a lot of ways by loss of death. And he said this. He answered this letter, this accusation that he was making light of death. He said, aren't God's punishments also gifts? Aren't God's punishments also gifts? I recently saw a, an interview by Stephen Colbert who, who was greatly influenced by that quotation of Tolkien. He was encouraged by his faith in the midst of difficulty, recognizing that sometimes, as somebody else said, pain is God's megaphone to wake up a sleeping world. There are places where we're sleeping, places in, in our souls that need to wake up Wake up to what God is doing in this present moment. Wake up to the now. I, I asked for your feedback this week about how you're being formed, about what's going on in the midst of this time. <laughs> One person said, 
I stopped wearing my Apple Watch. <laughs> it was always reminding me of what I needed to be about or telling me uh, about my performance in, in my exercise. Somebody else said that they've had a lot more time reflecting on Scripture. Actually, several of you said that. Have you noticed how many people are out walking? I, I, I've seen this in, in, in our neighborhood, and I've heard it from uh, people in other neighborhoods. They're just families, whole families are out regularly walking. Are God's punishments not also gifts? I, I want to challenge you to consider how you may be formed during this time. Not wishing it away, not explaining it away, not, not elevating fillers over faith, not elevating uh, flight over faith, or not, not letting fear uh, push your faith to the side. But let your faith be elevated over those three that you may be formed. I, I love this, in close, I love this um, project that, that a, a group of singers did. It was sort of a crowdsourced thing, and you saw them sort of like the Hollywood squares all on the screen singing this song that caps off what we're talking about this morning, an old hymn that they sang together. And one of the lines says this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you're able to make all things new. We pray that in this season of questioning and of worry, uh, that you'd help us to embrace what you happen to be offering to us in the moment. In Jesus' name, amen.